On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Can you keep all four of them? Tavares, Nylander, Marner, and Matthews. We can and, and we will. He gets free. Shoots Matthews, All right, let's wrap this thing up. We got one more of these to do. Uh, honestly, <laughs> truth be told, guys, uh, Matt Robinson here with you on the final tall or nothing. Truth be told, guys, um, this was probably not necessary. Uh, I said we would do one to kind of wrap up the whole thing, but I sort of felt like I was doing that at the end of episode five. But uh, once you've sort of committed to it, here we are. Uh, just before we get into that, I want to mention a couple of things here as it pertains to the normal podcast. Um, want to apologize for there not being a Thursday morning, you know, standard TCA this week. Uh, I think there's been plenty of content here on the podcast, but, uh, we didn't have that standard Thursday show. Uh, Michaela let me know with plenty of time, uh, in advance that, uh, she wasn't going to be available to do our usual Wednesday night recording time. And then, uh, touch base with Maddie and, uh, he was also unavailable and then things kind of got away from me a little bit this week. Didn't, uh, didn't touch base with anybody else to see if we could, uh, get a guest or, uh, you know, with Rob lined up or anything like that. And I figured I could do one solo, but I already felt like you guys might be getting a little bit sick of that, knowing that uh, that I've done all of these, right? This this Tall or Nothing series has been going on all week, every day at noon. So I thought maybe you'd had enough of the uh, of being, it just being me uh, on my own. So yeah, it just kind of slid away. So uh, apologies for that. But uh, like I said, there's been plenty of content here on the podcast anyway this week. So um, and you can always go back and check out the episode we did put out with Rob on Monday morning in case you've missed that. Uh, a couple other quick things coming up I should mention. Next week, before the NHL season kicks off, uh, we will do what we have done for the last year or two in terms of season previews, and we will service uh, the Leafs and the Sens fans. Uh, <laughs> that is the two largest fan bases that listen to this podcast, so we will have guests on to tee up the Leafs and the Sens. And uh, just like last year, it will be Graham Nichols, the sixth Sens, um, who's uh, covered the team for a very long time. 
he will join us. I believe that'll come out on Thursday, uh, which will be the day of the Sens home opener. So he'll be around for that. And Jeff Viette of uh, the faceoffcircle.ca uh, has his uh, eyes all over the Leafs as he has for a long time. So he will break them down for us. And that, I believe, will come out on Wednesday morning. Uh, which will be the day of the Leafs home opener. So look for those next week. Uh, Rob and I will record an episode this weekend, so that will uh, that'll still be coming at you. And Michaela will be back uh, next Wednesday night as well to record. Those normally end up coming out late Wednesday night, but uh, most of you catch it on Thursday morning. I think you're going to want to catch that one for sure. I think you're going to want to catch all of these, but... Uh, Michaela's got something to tell us about, so make sure you stick around for that. Um, to wrap this up, I don't know. I I feel like I've been up and down on it a little bit. Let's start here. I don't know how much I really learned. Um, You know, I do feel like we got pretty good access. We did get to see a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, I I praised them a fair bit about the trade deadline uh, and how much they let us in there to the fact where we were even seeing the, you know, Kyle's sides of certain trade calls and conversations that were going on. Uh, We got to see some of the other names that they were, in fact, discussing, which was kind of neat. And, um, you know, some of the the conversations about the value that they had put on their picks or uh, the guys that they were going after. I felt like we got a little bit of insight there. I feel like, uh, as I mentioned throughout the series here this week, we got some insight into the Kyle Dubas-Sheldon Keefe relationship. And I think we all knew they were tight. We all knew that, um, you know that Sheldon was Kyle's guy. And, uh, you know, we did learn long after this finished recording, but going into this season coming up, that Kyle gave him a two-year contract extension. And uh, that was essentially so he wouldn't be a lame duck this year going into his last season under contract. But essentially, Kyle's going down with Sheldon Keefe as his guy if he goes down. So, uh, but I mentioned a couple of times, you know, that Kyle was a little pushy, maybe a little more hands-on than I thought he'd be. He he tells Sheldon Keefe when they get Alex Gilchenyuk, we're not doing that. We're not putting him on a third or fourth line. Um, that's what everybody else has done, and it hasn't worked. We'll send him down. We'll let him get acclimatized. We'll see what's there, and we'll bring him up when he's ready and put him in a role that he can succeed at. Uh, later on in episode four, when they're talking about who's going to be the starting goaltender as Keefe is getting a little bit impatient with how this is all going with Freddie and how little information he has about when his, you know, supposedly his starting goaltender is going to return. And Kyle kind of says to him, we can put that to bed right now. Jack's the guy going into the playoffs. And, you know, you can read into that what you want. Was that Kyle telling Keith, this conversation's over, that's your guy? Or was that, you know, that's just the way they communicate and Kyle's telling him, you know, to my mind, that's who you should start. Um, You know, you can read into that a little bit, but they have a very... Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned a couple times that Kyle was much more hands-on than maybe some of us would have believed. Uh, the conversation he's having with Mikheyev, the conversation he has with Marner before Game 7, um, you know, the meeting that he calls on March 16th, somewhere in mid-March, and they have fallen out of first place, and he comes into the locker room to kind of tell them what he thinks in a role that, you know, I know GMs do this from time to time, but... Kyle's not afraid to sit in on some of these coaches' meetings and and vice versa, right? So that was interesting to see to me to see just how um, you know joined at the hip they are, how closely they are working together. It's not just that maybe Sheldon's his guy. Maybe it's that Sheldon, 
you know, lets Kyle have a little bit more of a say than some coaches would. Like I, I did reference as this was becoming clearer uh, throughout the series, that was never going to happen with Mike Babcock. I, you get the feeling that Mike Babcock, the, the, the locker room is his, right? And so the GM doesn't come in there and address the team. I wouldn't think. I don't feel like I learned anything from the sort of, I don't know what you'd call them, the the getaway shots, the away from the rink shots. We did the John Tavares interview, um, or not interview, the scene with his uncle in the backyard. I thought that was weird. I thought the Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall, you know, golf in the backyard scene was weird. I thought Nylander's organizing the, the race day thing was weird. And the the one-on-one time we took with Austin Matthews' parents early on in the series while they're out shooting in the desert was weird. I Those to me brought nothing. Um, and maybe, maybe they weren't supposed to. Like, this is an Amazon Prime series, right? It's not a TSN series. It's not an ESPN series. Maybe it was a way to try and bring, you know, your less hardcore hockey fans who you may want to get hooked on this, help build some personalities, help them get to know the characters a little bit. I, I don't really understand what the motivation was, but that might be one, right? One reason to get away from the hockey-heavy stuff and, you know, try and open these guys up a little. I just didn't feel like they got opened up much, right? I You just sort of had this weird, awkward fly-on-the-wall thing while they knew they were clearly being recorded. And I don't know, it, it to me, those added very little. And you probably could have sliced them out of each episode and, um, you know, had each episode be five minutes shorter or, or whatever length they would have ended up being. Uh, I'm left with the one, though, on Mitch Marner from the beginning of episode five. Not so much because we learned anything about him. We didn't. Um, it was interesting to see him and his wife slash fiance slash girlfriend, um, you know, hanging out on an off day a little bit, I guess. And I don't know if you're, if you care about this stuff, then hearing how they met might've been interesting to you. To me, the placement of it was interesting. Um, you could have put the Mitch one anywhere. This didn't have to be a playoff day. This wasn't anything like that. It was just, here's how he kind of relaxes away from the rink. The fact that you dropped it into the beginning of episode five to me, is a way to try and lighten, and I think I mentioned this uh, in episode five, is a way to lighten the mood on Mitch a little bit or to paint the other side of this a little bit. It's an understanding that as we go through episode five and the playoffs are you know, um, starting to get away from them a little bit, that, that series against Montreal is sliding away and is eventually lost. You're going to see Mitch gripping his stick way tighter. You're going to see the pressure ratchet up on him. You're going to see him in tears at the end of the at the end of the series. You're going to see that uncomfortable conversation with Kyle Dubas and it's all really heavy. He's clearly wearing this quite a bit and and feeling every bit of it. And I wonder if there wasn't a conscious decision as you're storyboarding this, you know, we got this scene with Mitch, where do we want to drop that? And you know, the rest of episode 5 is pretty hard on Mitch. Maybe we should put it in there and remind people that he's human. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but that's sort of how I read into it. And, you know, fair enough if that was the the play, because they're not wrong. He did wear it hard and, um, you know, the fan base had been kind of kicking his ass for quite a while afterward. Me included. I, it wasn't good enough. Um, not one of these people like so many of you seem to be that seem to want to chase him around on Twitter and Instagram, you know, 
getting in his comments and stuff. You need to mellow out. But as far as hockey goes, yeah, it wasn't good enough at all. He or Matthews um, in that uh, in those final four games, really through the whole series, but definitely through those final three or four games, it just wasn't enough. So, you know, that was maybe one thing I took away. But again, did you learn anything or is that just an interesting storytelling device that they dropped in there? Uh, you know, to me, it was more interesting in the way that they put this together more than interesting anything about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I don't want to be too down on it because it's not like I watched this thing and felt like it was a waste of time or that it was poorly done or even that I didn't enjoy it. I just didn't think it was as fantastic as some people are saying. I got other people in my replies here as I'm posting these saying, maybe we should talk about how much this sucked. I didn't think that either. I didn't think the series sucked. I didn't think it was uninteresting or, um, you know, I just didn't think it was this groundbreaking thing that we haven't sort of seen before in terms of some of the early road to the winter classic series that HBO did where here's the guys, you know, there they are in the locker room and they're being sort of candid and you can see how they talk to each other, but you know, you're still not getting everything and, and maybe you shouldn't be. Um, so in that regard, you know what the team was like, not a whole lot. I guess one of the things I learned is just how much, you know, Morgan Riley is maybe overlooked as a leader on this team we referenced going into uh, the third period of Game 7 on the last episode here of Tall or Nothing, that he and Spezza, and so put Spezza in this as well, you know, were, were the guys calling everybody out, um, telling them we got to push, we need more, like we got to find a way, we got to find a little bit more, and there is desperation there, right? And Morgan Riley, maybe we don't think of that way, but you got to remember in that moment, your captain, John Taveras, is not in the lineup. Um, he's not in the locker room. Would he have spoken? I assume so. But we don't, you know, the way we know John Tavares is not as a rah-rah, you know, rally the troops, burn the boats kind of guy. Um, he's sort of a lead by example guy. I assume he would have spoken in that intermission. But with that kind of passion, I don't know. Morgan Riley was desperate, right? He has been here for all of these, right? Since since the Washington shit started. Um, and he went through the dark days, right? He came up in 2014 and, and started his tenure with the Leafs. Then he has seen this all from when they were a terrible team to starting to draft their, these this new core. Um, Washington, two times with Boston, once with Columbus. You got the shitty David Ayers game. You've got everything else that's gone wrong. He's been there and he's seen it. And he knows this time they have to get this done this is an inferior opponent and you know you were supposed to win this and and so the desperation in his voice was perhaps interesting to me and maybe something I didn't realize that he would be such a vocal leader in the locker room and then same with Spezza I know they bring Spezza in for leadership and you do see footage all the time from practice or from skates or or whatever where he's taking the young guys aside and he's leading by example and I guess I'm not surprised that he would speak, but I, you know, you always wonder this $700,000 veteran on the fourth line who's sort of here to contribute, but how much does he want to bite off, right? Does he feel like it's his place to, to do that? Does he have enough clout within that group? Well, judging by that intermission, he, he, he does, right? He was standing there or he's sitting there at first as he starts to talk and his voice is raising and, and building an intensity as he stands up and he's trying to get these guys to buy in and, and follow him to war, right? And 
in that case, you know, he certainly felt like he had enough pull, enough respect in that room. And this is just the way they showed in the documentary. They did not show us the entire intermission. We don't know who else may or may not have had something to say. But the impassioned stuff that they put into the documentary came from Morgan Riley and Jason Spezza in those moments. And so that was, uh, you know, that maybe would have been my takeaway is just maybe the fact that we overlook how important Morgan Riley is to the group, not just on the ice, but off of it as a leader. Uh, maybe the last thing here, I know we already sort of talked about the relationship between Dubas and Keefe, but I also, you know, you did get to see that Sheldon Keefe, very direct, right? And early on, a lot of people were talking about how much he swears. I mean, that's what happens around hockey rinks, right? I remember Bruce Boudreau caught a pile of shit for how much he was swearing uh, in the first road to the Winter Classic several years ago now, maybe, I don't even know, 2010, 2011, whenever that thing came out. And it was, how inappropriate is this? Whatever. Yeah, if you've never been in a sports locker room before, people swear. Like, that's how it goes. Is it over the top sometimes? Sure, but it's not uncommon. Keith, that's really what people were talking about early on in this series is how much he swears. You know, like, okay, can we look past that? He's very blunt, right? He's very direct. And I think it's probably good. Like, right now, the players seem to like playing for him. I don't know how long you can be that direct and that blunt. Maybe you always can. Maybe players like to know exactly where they stand, even if it's rough. But we mentioned the Jimmy VC scene where he calls him over and says, I, I don't really know what you're bringing to this team. I'm not seeing it. I, can't, I don't see you as the, the lower in the lineup, energy, checking, defensive kind of guy. I don't see you right now bringing the high-end talent where I can play high in the lineup with our, our high-octane guys. And VC's sort of like, like, he's taking a blast here, right? And, and it's not like Keith's yelling at him. Keith's just saying, we, we, we're going to have to find it, man. We're running out of room here. Like, you're going to have to show this or we're probably moving on, right? And it, he's just very direct with them and very calm, but very direct. You could see it with the the Austin Matthews thing early on. Remember he said about the, uh, it was just a quote he gave to the media that they were playing safe and, and Keith was upset. Like, that was not our problem at all. And so he calls Matthews over and has that conversation with him um, that, you know, that's not the reason, that's not what we're, uh, what we're struggling with. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about it? He says, as Matthews is coming over, he's like, so you want to fight about it? And uh, Matthews like, no. And, um, but we see a few moments of this, right? Even to the point where, uh, where Keith tells the goalie coach to fuck off with defending Freddie anymore. Like we're done with these mistakes clearly. And even if it seems a little unreasonable, cause Steve Briere, the goalie coach is like, you want him to stop the one going off his ass and keeps fuck off. Like clearly he's heard enough reasons why Freddie's not making the saves. Now he just wants the saves fucking made. And so we're going to Campbell and that's the way it's going to. Very direct, very blunt. I'm not sure how many times you want to tell your colleagues, your coworkers, and in this case, maybe your subordinate to fuck off. Um, you know, people swear around locker rooms, but that may be a little bit over the line in terms of being direct. But uh, so I guess that was was reasonably interesting as well, just to see his coaching style a little bit more, right? And we didn't get to see a lot of X's and O's. One of our friends there who, uh, who listens to the podcast uh, pretty frequently um, and writes in every now and then our, our good buddy, sweet monkey, you know, he kind of brought up, you know, maybe alluding to surprise. We didn't get to see a little more X's and O's, right? Like how maybe you would game plan for a specific opponent or even just while the power play is just sputtering into the depths of hell. Um, you know, we don't get to see any real talk on how that's going to be set up or fixed. And maybe that was too much. 
you know, maybe you don't want to hear or you're not going to get to hear enough about how they set up that power play or, uh, you know, maybe they don't want to give you that much of of how much they have on on other teams, right? You got a little bit of it early on, but not very much um, in terms of even just one session or two sessions of X's and O's, how you want to break out, how you want to, uh, what your retrieval plan is on a dump in, things like that, that, you know, just a couple minutes somewhere while you're, you're throwing all this other filler shit at us, give us a little more of the hockey Give us hockey nerds a little bit more of the X's and O's or something. Could have been kind of fun too. So, But uh, I don't think there's any question in terms of star of the show, your leading man. It was it was Sheldon Keefe, the guy you were hearing from the most, um, looking over the shoulder of him quite a bit from the bench and, and things like that. And, and the one thing that you do take away, and it started right in episode one, he could see the problems that were coming. And I, I've heard other people kind of say that, and it took me a little while to warm up to that message because they scored plenty um, throughout the season, and no one believed going into the playoffs scoring was going to be the issue. There was a question mark in goal since Jack Campbell had never played a playoff game before. But Keith does say a couple times early on, we're not scoring the way we should. He does allude to kind of we're getting some random goals. Like we are scoring and we are winning. And he's nervous, as I mentioned early on when we did this series. He is nervous about overplaying his hand, hitting the guys too many times with negatives and, and stuff when they're winning. Because you lose the room that way, right? You lose their ear if they just keep winning and you just keep saying not good enough. So... But he is alarmed, right? He is, we're not really doing it the right way. And at the end of the day, when they got to the playoffs, now John Tavares goes down and that is a huge loss. And especially in the way that you run your offense and the way you can force other teams to have to match up with you defensively. But the goaltending was largely fine. The defense was very good. And that late in the series, they couldn't score. They didn't score. Carey Price played pretty well. Um, obviously things get clamped down in the playoffs in terms of what you're allowed to do, you know, by defenses, not by officiating, right? You're going to take a beating, getting to the front of the net. You're getting hacked and cross-checked and elbowed and all this shit that we saw over and over and over. Um, and the refs just sort of let it go. It does become harder to score. And Keith had said early on in the series, I don't really like the way we're scoring, right? We're not getting the goals the way we should get the goals. Stanley Cup habits is a phrase they kept using. And so you can see he was alarmed all the way along. And it, it started with being somewhat concerned and kept growing to, uh, you know, clearly towards the end being alarmed. And, and it turns out he was right. At the end of the day, his guys didn't score. Matthew and Marners didn't put up points. Uh, Tavares goes down and, and that puts a huge hole in your offense. Uh, Nylander goes on to have a great series, five goals in seven games. You couldn't ask anything more of him. But your depth wasn't enough, right? You in the bottom six, there wasn't anything there that was, except Jason Spezza that was going to get you over the top. Um, so that was interesting to document and to see how early on in the series he's going. This isn't quite right, and just trying to put your finger on that and figure out exactly what the problem is, and to see that exact thing play out late into that series was really interesting, and and that's probably more than anything else. Uh, the thing that I'll take away is just, you know, he had an eye for it. He knew his team and he looked at that and went, we're not quite there. And he turned out to be dead right. So 
I think that's where we'll leave this, guys. I hope you enjoyed these. I thought it was something a little different, something kind of fun we could do, you know, to get a week. You know, uh, this is the last week before uh, before the regular season starts. So, you know, we can start talking hockey again and, and take a look at this series. I don't know what else might come out where I would do something like this again, but I wouldn't close the book on it. I wouldn't close the door on it. We could, uh, we could look at that. But, um, yeah, I, I think for now, you know, we'll go back to our sort of standard podcast fair like i said coming at you next week to tee up the senators graham nichols the sixth sends will be here jeff viette of the faceoffcircle.ca will help me do the same for the toronto maple leafs rob will be back over the thanksgiving weekend michaela's back on here on uh, wednesday night or thursday morning it's going to be a very busy week as we get ready to start the nhl season uh so we'll wind down this little mini series here to make way for all of that I uh, hope you enjoyed this, guys. This was kind of fun for me. Um, if you didn't, well, we're back to normal now anyway. If you did, let me know on our social media feeds, at Tall Can Audio, if you'd be into seeing more stuff like this in the future. And uh, that's going to do it for Tall or Nothing. That was fun, guys. My name is Matt Robinson, and we will see you later.